poor little children. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I must confess that uh, that dream that I had that day has a minute points turned into a nightmare. Situation here in Santa Monica, California is very fluid. You can see police here now firing tear gas into the crowd. Some people are laughing, some people are video. I feel the nonviolence is really the only way that we can follow. Because violence is just so self-defeated. A riot ends up creating minimal problems for the Negro community. That is solved. You can, through violence, burn down a building, but you can't establish justice. You can murder a murderer, but you can't murder a murder thief. You can murder a hater, but you can't murder hate. And what we are trying to get rid of is hate, injustice. All of these other things that continue the long night of dancing and man. Like today, June 6th. 
before 8.51 I left out of my door. I had low gas in the car and I was like, I can make it to work on this. So then I was like, no, I ain't gonna make it. So I have a gas station right by my house. So I pulled into the gas station, minding my business. Um, there was a JP unit pulled up. Um, you know, peace out like you see any other officer be safe. And I'm pumping my gas. And a guy that's a taxi driver, young guy, it looks like he can be a little bit younger than me. He says, ma'am, he was getting breakfast out of the gas station. He said, ma'am, could I ask you something? So, you know, I'm pumping. I'm like, man, I'm going to be late. I'm always late, but, uh, but anyway, <laughs> inside joke. Um, but the young man walked up to me and he said, and he's a young Caucasian guy or what have you. And he said, could I pray for you? And I was just complaining out loud. I was like, man, it's so hot out here. And X, Y, and Z is so hot. Man, it's early to be so hot. And I said, um, sure, of course, there's never enough prayer. So he said, my sister is a police officer in New Orleans. I didn't ask him a name or anything. He said, I just want to pray for you with times like this. I understand what's going on. I understand what's going on with uh, the difference in the races and the racism and I understand what people how people look at all officers and it shouldn't be but I just want to cover you immediately I got chills this young man prayed over me and I got chills immediately I gave him a hug even due to the COVID-19 I gave him a hug because I realized how God was working God spoke, he spoke to me last night and I shared that video and he spoke to me. He showed me how the power of tongue and prayer and I was being the example that I want to see and it came right back to me full. I didn't see it coming. I wasn't going to get gas. I was going to drive all the way to work with low mileage, low gas. But I stopped there, and if I didn't stop there, I would have missed my blessing. That was that same prayer that I put out to something this morning. It came right back to me six hours later. So be mindful what you pray on. And when, when your heart is pure, your blessings always turn right back around. Always turn right back around at you. <clears throat> Y'all just be encouraged. I never share testimonies. But I am you. And this one, I had to share. Simple as it may seem to others. I just had to share this. So I'm headed to work now. <laughs> Hope it's not a drama-filled day, but talk to y'all later. Bye. Welcome to the global live stream. You know, what we just saw right there, uh, hearing that testimony, uh, a white man approaching a black law enforcement officer to, to bless, to connect, uh, to unify. All at once, uh, we see this cultural moment in, in all of its dimensions. But you know what else we see? We see a gospel solution. We see a unifying uh, solution in a small space of everyday life where there's this heart-to-heart -heart connection, this heart-to-heart -heart, uh, healing, and a testimony that brings 
glory to God. I think if you're a person of faith and you're watching that, it challenges you. You see, believers in Jesus have nothing uh, to fear. In fact, the gospel provides a freedom and a force of response uh, that meets our need to give up the middle ground and and choose some solid gospel actions. Um, and, and what we, we heard about right there uh, was a step of faith. And, and that's what we need to do. We are being asked by God to to have gospel moments right now, just like that. And on the other side of those steps of faith that we take, like that young man did with that law enforcement officer, is powerful blessing and yes, uh, cultural change in the best of ways. So uh, today, we're gonna keep listening to what's happening. We're gonna keep learning uh, what it means to form a response as people of faith. Uh, in this cultural moment, and we're going to recognize uh, through the lens of Scripture that this cultural moment is a gospel moment. What does that mean? It means that God wants to reconcile people. God wants to redeem horrible evil for good. God wants to release power and blessing. And here's the most important thing. God wants to use you to be the gospel change uh, that you want to see. So here's where we're headed uh, this morning. We're going we're gonna to look at scripture and see what a gospel moment looks like. And then we're going to look at how the gospel itself gives Christians freedom to rise above reaction and rise above culture into a kingdom dimension. And, and then we're going to bring in my my friend, Pastor Eric Butler from Christian International Church in Lincoln Park, New Jersey. And he's gonna unpack uh, some historical, some spiritual, some, some missional components to the conversation. But then we're gonna make some simple application that is faith-driven. So let's look in the scripture and see first what a gospel moment looks like. And we find it in Philippians 1 verses 27 and, and 28. You know, during this season of COVID and during this, this season of the post-George Floyd incident, I've really been dwelling on Philippians 1, 27 and 28, because it says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those opposing you. You see, this cultural moment is really a custom designed gospel moment. It's a moment for the gospel to come through God's people and into a moment where we unify and we let the gospel do a few things. Let's, let's, let's unpack that. Um, and if you have the notes, you might want to write this down. That in this cultural moment and this pressure-filled moment, uh, the gospel is a guiding force. Write that down. The gospel is a guiding force. Notice how Paul says, uh, whatever happens, live out the gospel. 
And so it doesn't matter what pressure situation we're in, whether it's COVID or whether it's this racially charged moment, whatever happens, a believer knows what to do. They know who they are and they know what to do. They conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. They live out the gospel like that young man did in his context. And, and that's really important to see. So the gospel is a guiding force. Secondly, the gospel is a strengthening force. Do you notice that uh, there's language in here where um, of conviction, where, where in this passage you see, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul says to Christians in a pressure-filled moment. He goes, you know what? Stand firm. Don't give up ground. Don't apologize. Don't retreat. Don't turn to cable news. Don't turn to your personal political pundit. Turn to the gospel. Stand firm in the spirit. Seek God. Form a spirit-filled response in the midst of what's going on. And then, third, the gospel is a mobilizing force. You notice the language. Stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened right? The gospel moves us confidently forward where, as we learn in part two, we can be that neighbor just like that young man was. We can enter spaces that aren't suited for other people, motivated by, motivated by our faith and motivated by our belief in the gospel itself, which is a gospel of reconciliation, a gospel of redemption, and a gospel of the release of God's blessing. So in the Bible, we see how God causes the gospel to rise up in us, how the gospel causes us to, to, to transcend culture, and it makes us free to respond. And I think that's one of the themes that we really have to take to heart this morning and what, what God wants to let us know that the gospel gives freedom. It gives you freedom not to react, not to respond culturally, but to respond eternally. And it talks about that in Romans chapter eight, uh, verses two through four, it says this, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, listen, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What I love about the gospel and what I love about this passage is that it proclaims with great clarity that you don't have to respond in the old way. I'm gonna say that again. The Bible declares through the gospel itself that you're free to respond in a different way. It says through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Old standards, old ways of being, old ways of believing, old ways of behaving, fleshly responses. Right? Jesus coming and entering the brokenness to reconcile us to God God sending his own son so that something new could happen. So that what God wanted to see happen, happens. 
and and we're supposed to internalize that and we need to see oh i i'm not supposed to live according to the flesh or according to the world or according to the lies of the devil i'm i'm supposed to respond in the spirit to this and so this passage is telling us that we're set free to do what the spirit tells us to do like that young man i keep referencing it because it's so powerful i know he was probably in his car and he was prompted he was led he was poked by his faith to move into a space and he was free not to go by not to walk by not to pass by but to enter in he did what the spirit told him to do and it was a response of gospel freedom he was free because of his faith to enter into that space so for the balance of our time what i want to do is i want to to kind of talk about what gospel freedom is and if you have a bible you're going to want to open it to first corinthians chapter 9 and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 19 to 27 but what we're going to see is how this cultural moment is a gospel moment and in a gospel moment it is the gospel that gives us freedom to enter in to another cultural experience in fact that's where we're going to start in verses 19 to 23 of first corinthians 9. listen to uh, paul the apostle take the gospel into another culture and and listen in for how he's thinking he says this in verse 19 though i am free and belong to no one i have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible to the jews i became like a jew to win the jews to those under the law i became like one under the law though i myself am not under the law so as to win those under the law to those not having the law i became like one not having the law though i am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And here is the, the power statement of this passage. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save son. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. What a powerful statement. Are you free as a Christian to kind of self-protect and, and, and keep to yourself? Sure you are. But you're also very free to enter into and learn about and embrace another culture. You see, gospel freedom makes me fearless culturally. Write that down. Gospel freedom makes me fearless culturally. Paul's free to enter one culture. He's free to enter another culture. He's, he belongs to no one, but he makes himself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. To win reconciliation with man and God. To win reconciliation between man and man. And so he enters this situation the freedom that the gospel gives him. And he's not changing his message, but he is changing his approach without violating his faith. And man, what a great roadmap for what's going on uh, right now. And so there is a coming together 
and an, an entering into of another culture of people of color where we're learning that there's a context uh, for that response. And that's where I want to bring in uh, my friend, Pastor Eric Butler. Again, pa Pastor Eric is uh, the founding senior pastor of Christian International uh, Church, a beautiful multi-ethnic church in Lincoln Park, New Jersey. And I want you to listen in uh, to, to Pastor Eric give some historical context to this cultural moment. Watch this. It seems like the only time we're accepted is when we're entertaining or in athletics, and then we're kind of one of the guys. But before that, it was specifically and purposefully designed to dehumanize black people. Let me just say this while I'm on that, on that bent. Most people don't know that most of the slave owners and slaveholders that were on the ships and brought people to their plantations were Christian people. In fact, they're the ones who introduced black people to the Bible, and they were Christian people. And the only way they could justify their Christianity remaining intact, because Christianity says clearly that God, you know, made all nations of one blood. So they, they would have to acknowledge that Africans were equal by creation. But the way they did it is they dehumanized the black man and stated that they compared him with an ape, a monkey, they acted like he was ignorant, but he was a man from another continent. So he wouldn't, it, it wasn't fair to even think that he would know the language, the culture of American culture. But he classified him as three-fifths of a man, which then devalued him, so that then it just gave them justification as to why they could do what they did. So all lives do matter, but black lives do matter also. And uh, that's what this has been about in these last several days and several years, that black people need a little bit of help right now. They need a, a lot of help and a lot of understanding to be able to survive in this culture. If I could say to white America right now, if you could do one thing, just believe that the stories are true. Take a look historically and look at some document, docu documentation of uh, what happened to the African when he came to your country. Look at it like we had to look at history books of Washington and, and uh, Coolidge and Lincoln and, and Grant and all these other people that we had to look at all of the frontiersmen, Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett, and we had to believe all that stuff, Lewis and Clark. Well, look at the black history also. That would, first of all, really help. Number two, I think that white America needs to believe the stories that we're not making these things up when we tell people that we, we were lynched for no reason and brutalized for no reason, that we were uh, just treated so badly. Just believe it believe it it's real and no one just wake, wakes up with anger against another person but the reason why this is boiled over to this point is because this has gone on for so long most people don't realize that it's 400 years of oppression and i want white america to believe that that this has been going on some people might say well i didn't do it i'm here in 2020 i didn't do that to you and that's very true and i'm not blaming a person uh, directly in our age and in this generation specifically but it's a system that was created a system that would always say that you're second or third or fourth best that everyone gets a chance except this particular person that these people could live in any neighborhood and these people can't we don't want them there and all the things that 
that take place. I want people that if I could say to you, believe and believe that racism is a sickness and it's, 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 it's caused much suffering to the black community for many, many years, hundreds of years. And this is what we're dealing with. So believe us when we try to say we're hurting, have some empathy. That's what we're saying. Have some empathy. Feel a little bit about this. Just don't push us to the side. You know, when you look at the story of the Good Samaritan, the man was wounded on the ground, but the two religious people walked by. The priest walked by and the Levite walked by, but the Good Samaritan, an unlikely person, stopped, believed, and wanted to help the person and, and, and get him healed from his wounds. This is what we need right now. The wounds are not physical, they're spiritual, they're psychological, they're uh, internal, because there's a deep traumatization uh, of pain that are in African-American people from how we had to survive in this country. You see, gospel freedom should make us fearless culturally. The Apostle Paul said, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then he talks about entering in to cultures and learning uh, these cultures and changing uh, his approach. What I loved about what Pastor Eric said was that there's a context. You see, without context, um, present responses are not meaningful. And what he shared with us is that there is a a valid historical context for how people feel in this moment. So coming out of that passage in 1 Corinthians 9 and what we just heard from Pastor Eric Butler, here's a easy, clear, biblical action step. Write this down. Identify with others to reach others. Identify with others to reach others. You know, being understood, we all want to be understood. And we we can't have a close connection if we feel misunderstood. We can't have a close connection when we're pr protecting uh, a position. It's just never going to happen. And I believe that's one of the things prophetically that God is using in this moment uh, right now is that he's kind of holding up a mirror and he's kind of forcing us to look and evaluate and assess and see and stay. Uh, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, it talks about how uh, we're together in this. It says this, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's that entering in, that's that identifying, that's by believing uh, that the, the history, the experience, the cultural experience, uh, is true, and if there's suffering uh, between us, we enter into that suffering. If there's honoring, then we, we honor uh, that. So that's the first and powerful thing that the gospel does. It's not just a guiding force, it's not just a strengthening force, it's not just a mobilizing force, but, force, but the gospel uh, gives us freedom uh, and makes us fearless uh, culturally. We, we, can, we can break the rules. Uh, that maybe we grew up with. We can break the rules of, uh, of what our cultural experience might be, and we can enter in. Why? Because that's what the gospel tells us to do. That's what Jesus did. Uh, he broke all sorts of cultural rules to connect and dignify and identify with others 
to reach others. Secondly, gospel freedom focuses me eternally. Uh, in, in the next verses, uh, after Paul talks about how um, he's gonna enter into these cultural moments uh, without fear, and he's gonna enter into different uh, histories and ways of being and believing and behaving to win as much possible connection for man with God and man with man. Uh, he says this in verses 24 and 25. In the context of entering culture, he says, don't you know that in a race, all runners won, run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. And you see in this context of entering into different cultures, Paul is not focused uh, in an earthly or a cultural way as he enters culture. He's, he's got his eternal glasses on. And he is discerning. He's, he's got, I gotta run this race and I wanna run it the right way. And he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Well, he defined what the prize was in that first set of verses, to win as many as possible, to win greater connection to God for man and win greater connection with people. And so he's being strategic, he is focused, but make no mistake, He's not motivated by some personal thing or some cultural thing. He's motivated by an eternal force uh, inside of him and for eternal reward. He talks about a, a runner who's in a race and the runner is, is running that race strategically. And why? Because he wants to win the prize, right? And then at the end of that verse, he says, we do it to win a crown that will last forever. The reference is to the Isthmian games, and when someone ran a race, uh, they were presented with, you know, a wreath that was put on their head. And he's comparing and contrasting, hey, you know what, you can run your race, and you might win an argument down here, you might win approval of men, but that's not the race we're running. We're running in a kingdom race, and we have an eternal crown that, guess what, it doesn't die with us, it goes with us, and that's the moment that we're in. You see, that's what gospel freedom does. Gospel freedom makes me fearless culturally. I can enter in, God is with me. Uh, that's the story of Jesus entering into my brokenness and my loneliness and my injustice and, and reconciling and redeeming uh, me. And so we're free there and we're also uh, focused uh, eternally. This is, a, this is an eternal moment. Is it a cultural moment? 100%. But Transcending the cultural moment is an eternal moment and an eternal plan uh, that we get to participate in. And so that's the second uh, big, big point. And what I want you to do right now is to hear from Pastor Eric again. And in his first little highlight, he gave us some historical context. In this, in this highlight, he's gonna give us kind of some spiritual context for some, how we can respond in form a response. Watch this. Well, as a pastor and a follower of Jesus, I've got to love everybody. That's what the Bible says. I believe the Bible. I myself have been a Christian now for 
about 39 years and pastor for 29 years. And uh, I really do understand that we have to love. The, the essence of the Bible is God is love. God is love and God loves everybody. And so I'm looking at this somehow, some way that God's love would shine uh, and, and through all of this pain that we're experiencing, that God's love would supersede everything ultimately. We're going to go through struggles. We're going to go through pain. But as a pastor and follower of Jesus, I have a, a prophetic duty. And that's a, a duty to speak up. I've got a duty to prophesy and speak up prophetically, demonstrate. I've got a, 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 a an assignment from heaven to to speak the words of the Lord, which simply say that God did create all men equal. It, it simply says that God does love everybody the same, that, that the kingdom of God is not built on one race or one nation. I've got a prophetic responsibility to, to speak and prophesy to the dry bones. I've got a prophetic uh, 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 responsibility to say, uh, Jeremiah 29, that God has given a life and a hope and an expectation. He's given us a the future. I've got to tell people that as a as a believer. I've got to prophesy life over dead situations, over racism, over anger, over fear. I've got to say as a believer that God is the God of the black man, the white man, the red man, the brown man, and the yellow man. This is what we're talking about. He's the God of all nations, and he is, and Jesus is the head of the church. This is what we're talking about. How could I... Um, uh, speak to this uh, in a in a in a basic uh, practical manner um, by loving somebody, by reaching out, by fellowshipping with somebody of another race, by having coffee at dinner, inviting them to your home, teaching your children that this kind of person is not evil just because their skin color is different. by sharing churches and sharing pulpits and and doing things together and modeling this before a world that's broken and divided and full of hatred and racism. That's how we can practically do this. Standing up and speaking. I know a lot of good uh, people, a lot of good people from every background. I've traveled all over the world. I have preached in a lot of different places, different nations, different continents, different countries. And there's a lot of good people that are not African-Americans. But we as the church have to deliver that message. And I'm delivering that message to black people. I'm delivering that message to white pastors, black pastors, Latino pastors, Indian pastors, whatever nationality. I have a responsibility to preach the gospel. The Bible says very clearly that in Acts 1.8, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel of the, of the kingdom is always including and inclusive of the fact that it includes every race. It says in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, that there was specifically, it says, that there were people from out of every nation under heaven that was outside of that room when they came out of that room, when the 120 came out of the room. They were there, and they were the first recipients to see the power of the Holy Spirit hit. So God specifically designed that moment as an international moment. So we have a responsibility as believers in the church to communicate with people from all backgrounds, not to put anybody down because of race class, finance, status, or anything, that's not, that should not be the church. That's not the church. The church 
is called to love everybody the same without partiality as the book of James says without any kind of division no schisms no division amongst us that we're all one this is the message of the church and the message of Jesus Christ that God's love is the thing that unites us and it takes away all the systems and all the uh, fragmentation that hangs upon people's lives from racism from classism from religious uh, venues or whatever Marco means we come from it takes it out of the way the greatest thing is love so that's the way I look at it as a pastor today thank you pastor Eric that that was so powerful you know first he gave us some historical context and background that will help us enter into this cultural moment with gospel freedom and then he just laid it on right there and uh, I loved it when he said, you shall be my witnesses to every culture, to every nation. The word nation is ethna, right? Every tribe, you're gonna connect with every culture. You're gonna connect with, with every nation. And, and I think that's, that's part of what God is, is doing right now. God's going, how, how is that going? You see, the Christian is focused eternally. He has a set of kingdom glasses He's running a race and he's running to win it. And right now, that's what we need to do. We need to run our race right now in this cultural moment to win it. And we're incentivized to do it uh, with eternal reward. In fact, there's our biblical action step when we're focused eternally and spiritually. And it's this, do the hard things now for rewards later. It's worth it right now to do things that, like that young man did with the black law enforcement officer. Do things that require faith right now. Reach out, connect, engage, speak up. Motivated by your faith and motivated uh, by the gospel. Search your context, reach out, send a text, right? In a moment, show up, find out some practical things that you can do to be the change that you want to see. And you know how uh, sometimes we look back in, at moments in time and we have regret where we just go, you know what, man, I wish I, I wish I did something in that moment, right? The Bible strongly encourages us to go ahead and do the, the risky thing, the hard thing, the thing that will require faith so that when you get to that moment in front of Jesus, no regret. You're gonna look back and go, man, I'm glad. Uh, I did that. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, and listen uh, for the perspective and mindset uh, that it communicates. It says this, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, where we look at the situation and we look at how this situation is, a, is, is putting some pressure on us to form a response, and then we're being pushed by God's heart uh, for love, God's heart for justice, by the example of Jesus, by the gospel, by the word of God, to move into some space that maybe we're not comfortable moving into. And, and the Bible calls that action a light and momentary trouble. But guess what? 
that, that light and momentary thing, it has the capacity and potential to produce an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs the moment. Man, that's bang for the buck. Right now, as believers, we gotta realize our spiritual bang for the buck, right? These, these moments that God is providing for us right now, uh, to step in and to take some new risks and to change our approach and to enter in and exercise our gospel freedom, right? It's, it's creating for us uh, an eternal weight uh, of glory where we see beyond the, the limited uh, cultural and political and media horizon uh, to just ask, God, what is it that I can do right now? Or to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting in a moment uh, and, and to discern what God is up to and then do that. So let's do some of those uh, things that require risk and man, let's, let's have some stories to tell because it, the story will be retold by the people that we make the effort to connect with. Just like that law enforcement officer was touched and that video is going viral. And on the other side of that, that young man's decision to just go, you know what? I'm gonna step into this space because my gospel freedom says that I should. So that's the second thing. Gospel freedom focuses me eternally. Third, gospel freedom gives me spiritual credibility. You see, in this discussion, it's just like, well, who has credibility? Who has the experience? Who has, I'll tell you who has credibility. It's the person who has the integrity that only consistent action provides. We need less of this and we need more action taken. You know, talk, talking is over. In fact, I'm so tired of all oh, the talking, 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 talking. The church, the gospel, the great commission, it's, it's action, right? It's faith in action. Uh, the apostle Paul in this passage where he's talking about entering into other cultures and how he's fearless culturally because of the gospel and how he's focused eternal and he's, he's running in a very strategic way uh, in his moment in time, he then kind of turns the conversation and he, he just talks about how, you know, he's gonna run intentionally and he's gonna have integrity. Listen to what he says. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. You see, Paul is after spiritual integrity. Paul is after spiritual credibility. He's, he's, he's focused eternally. He's fearless culturally. But you know what he's after? He's after integrity in action. He says, you know what? He goes, I don't wanna be disqualified from this moment. Uh, where my, my, my beliefs don't line up with my actions. He's saying, it starts with me, you know, so that after I have preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified. You see, gospel freedom and entering into those spaces, man, that, that is intentionality. That, that is, if, if you're a boxer and you're doing a punch count, which means punches thrown and missed or punches thrown and landed, Paul's saying, you know what? 
its punch is thrown and landed. I have to act so that when I throw myself into a situation, the impact lands and blessing and reconciliation and redemption uh, is, is released. And, and that's where I wanna to go to this last segment with, with Pastor Eric is just to discuss sort of the missional uh, aspect of this cultural moment. Watch this. When you look at this youth culture, Generation Z, the millennial culture, who we don't understand many times. We don't listen to them. They were trying to tell us. They're crying out in the streets. They're marching in the streets. It's not just black people marching in the streets. It's white people, white kids, black kids, Latino kids, all kind of uh, kids in the streets. And they're saying, we don't want America to be like it used to be. We don't want to see a racist a divided nation. We don't want that. And that's why we're standing together. They don't care what the, the banner is. They just don't want to see what they're doing. And God is in this. The final thing I wanted to say is that God is not the God of, of, uh, of, of any particular group. But I want to say this, that God showed me. He said, when you look at this, this culture of today, and especially an evangelistic culture that's in the church that has been segmented and, 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 and segregated to some great degree, God doesn't want that. God wants the church to reach out to everybody. So there is no white church that only reaches white people. There is no black church that only reaches black people. There is no Latino church that only goes after Latino people. There should be the church of the living God that includes everybody in it. And we go after the harvest. The harvest is right in front of our eyes. The people that we see marching in the streets, I've seen Christians snarl and say, look at them. You know, they're bad. They're not bad. They're crying out. They're doing some of the things that the church should have been doing. And they're doing it with fearlessness. No, I'm not talking about the looters. I'm not talking about the robbers or the thieves. I'm talking about the peaceful protesters that are in the streets and they're crying out for more. They're crying out for justice. And they they're crying out for the will of God to be done. Didn't America say it's one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all? And God's going to hold America account to her own words right now. That it's a liberty and justice for all. So we, when we look at God dealing in this culture, he's dealing in it in a special way. And not only that, he's also showing us the harvest. The scripture says in the book of Matthew, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. For the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. When you see people in the streets, this young millennial culture, this Generation Z culture coming up, that's the harvest. We talk about revival all the time in Christendom, but that's the harvest, and that's the people that we're believing for. That's the harvest. And I'd like to say in, in, in this portion right now that God loves everybody. He wants everybody. He's the God of all races and all nations. And the church needs to speak and demonstrate the love of God to black people during this time. Black people need to understand white people. White people need to understand black people. And all across the board. Because Jesus didn't die for white people. He didn't just die for black people. He didn't die for yellow people, brown people, or red people. The cross says he died for all people. The scripture says that all men would be saved. And so I'm clean and I'm prophesying today, prophesying life over a valley of dry bones 
and I'm prophesying live. I'm prophesying a future and a hope to a generation that is in such confusion and turmoil. I'm prophesying to a nation that needs to clean up its act, change, and let's get it right. We got a beautiful chance to start all over, get it right, do it right, make it happen the way the Lord, the one in whom our money says, in God we trust, we can do it all over again. And I wanted to say this in finality in Psalm 89 in verse 14, it says that the habitation of God's throne is built upon judgment and justice. And so that's what we're seeing in this culture. Amen. Did you hear it? Pastor Eric with just all that passion, you know, saying we have a beautiful chance to do it right and to make it happen. You know, a, a good biblical action step coming out of what we just heard and um, the integrity message of scripture is don't substitute sympathy for action. You know, it's one thing to feel things. It's one thing to, to say, oh, that's horrible, or that's disgusting, or, or that's evil. You know, we're all saying that. I think universally, uh, what happened uh, on the streets of Minneapolis has been condemned. But, you know, beyond the sympathy, gospel freedom makes us fearless culturally. We need to enter in. Gospel freedom makes us focus eternally. We're going to take some, some, some faith steps. Uh, here and then gospel freedom gives us some spiritual credibility you know when when we take action so we can't substitute sympathy for for action and and that's where scripture speaks very clearly uh, in first John chapter 4 verse 20 it says this for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen Again, whoever doesn't love their brother or sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. Right? It's, it's time to, to get a little uncomfortable and to trust God and enter the tension and know that when we do anything in faith, when we leave the comfort of the 99 to go to the one uh, who needs us in this moment and love aggressively, God's power enters the humility that it takes to do that, and God's power floods in to the faith that is being demonstrated. That's why I started off this, this broadcast with that testimony from that law enforcement officer. It was just a moment in time, and it took humility and it took faith to enter into it, and he left his, his place of comfort, and he went to someone that he knew felt a little lonely. And he needed to enter into that. And so whether you're a law enforcement officer who feels labeled and mislabeled and lonely, and you're a good law enforcement officer in this situation, and we, we go to, to that person who's feeling that way. Whether you're a person of color and you're, you're feeling like, oh gosh, here we go again. We go to that person in whatever way that we possibly can. And we love them, as Pastor Eric uh, encouraged us. You know, um, we're all unlikely candidates, whatever side of the color spectrum that you're on, because you know your tribe. 
Uh, and a lot of times you feel like an unlikely candidate to enter into another culture, but you see that's the difference between people who have gospel freedom and people who don't. We're fearless culturally. We're focused eternally, right? And when we're free, it gives us credibility and we're not letting sympathy substitute for action. You know, um, we're all unlikely candidates and even the best of the best felt that way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 5, and 6. Listen to one of the best of the best talk about himself. He says, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God and he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant uh, not of written laws, but of the spirit, the old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. What's Paul saying? He's saying, you know what? You don't need a degree on a wall, right? You don't need a title. You don't need a, a, a platform politically or a list of political demands. You simply need to know who you are as a child of God, that you're an ambassador of the king, that you're commissioned by God to pursue reconciliation in the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's the gospel. There was a condition of separation between God and man, and then the God-man enters the mess and the brokenness, and there's a willingness on his part to get the most uncomfortable that any man has ever been to bring peace, to reconcile. And guess what? Because of that man that solved the condition of separation and entered the mess and entered the brokenness and was willing to get uncomfortable, now you and I were reconciled to God. Our sins are forgiven. We have our purpose for living. We have a home in heaven. You see, what Jesus models for us right now in this cultural moment is meant for us. In this moment, you gotta let the gospel be your guide. You gotta let the gospel be a strengthening force in your life. You gotta let the gospel mobilize you to move into some spaces that maybe you've never in your life moved into. You're gonna feel things moving into those spaces maybe you've never felt. You're gonna see things that maybe you've never seen before. You're gonna do things maybe that you've never done. But you see, that takes humility and faith to do that. But we need to live out the gospel in new, faith-filled ways that shows. Like that introduction video with the law enforcement officer and the young man. That we're family. That we're family. You know what family feels like. Man, family feels good. And you know what? We're a spiritual family. If you're a person of faith, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, You're my brother, you're my sister. And you know what, if you suffer, I suffer. If you're honored, then I'm honored. You see, this cultural moment is a gospel moment and believers right now prophetically are being called out to see what's there. So exercise your freedom, steward your freedom, enter other cultures, be focused eternally, Right? Do things that require faith, right? Have integrity. Don't substitute sympathy for action. And just remember, you don't need any special training. You don't need to be a preacher or a pastor or have a degree on your wall. You simply 
need to exercise what you have experienced in your own life. Live out the gospel that reconciles, that redeems, and that releases salvation and transformation. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that this moment is an ordained gospel moment for your people. Jesus, thank you that you have chosen the most unlikely of candidates. You've chosen me, you've chosen all my brothers and sisters who believe in you that are watching this live stream to be ambassadors, to be ambassadors of the King. And you've commissioned us to pursue reconciliation and the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what you did. You pursued us, you left heaven, you entered the mess, you engaged, you identified fully with us and you were willing to get the most uncomfortable that any man has ever been to bring peace and connection. And because of what you did, we're reconciled to God. And so Lord, we don't need to look far to form a response. We just need to look to you. And so right now, Jesus, we receive afresh the gospel, the good news of peace with God through you and through your sacrifice. And Lord, because you live in us, you call out to us to do the same, to leave the 99 for the one, to leave comfort for discomfort, because in that moment, there is an eternity on the other side of it. And so Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for speaking to us clearly from your word. And so Lord, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters of every ethna, of every color, of every nation, of every tribe, that first and foremost, we would be ambassadors of the King. And as ambassadors, that we would reflect and represent your kingdom in this moment. Lord, we, we ask you for unity in your house first, in the body of Christ. And then we ask for you to use us as salt and light, to influence, to be in the mix. And God, I pray right now for everyone who's watching this for their gospel moments, Lord, where they're gonna stand firm in the spirit and they're gonna strive and they're gonna do what you ask them to do in humility and faith. And God, I thank you in advance for all the interactions that are gonna spiral out from this community of faith into the cities, on city blocks, uh, on streets, in gas stations, wherever your people are. Lord, thank you for this call and for this moment. And we ask for all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Hey, listen, this weekend is Father's Day. And let me just talk to you dads out there that are watching. What you do is so important. How you model for your children, how you mentor your children, how you message your children, how you um, communicate love through spending time, through talking with them and appropriately just giving them comfort and touch and love. You know, what you do is so important. So thank you 
for what you do. You're changing the next generation. And I pray a blessing over every dad that's watching. So join us next week for the Men's Global Livestream. We'll see you then, between now and then. God bless you.